This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by Bob Keipel. Uh, we're pleased today to welcome Darren David. Darren is the founder and CEO of FreeTouch, a, a recent endeavor. Um, previously, he was a founder and CEO of Stimulant, but beginning in April 2020, um, we see FreeTouch, which is uh, a firm that enables contactless interaction with shared touch screens from any smartphone. So we're going to be hearing all about that and also how it relates to customer experience during our show today. So welcome to the show, Darren. Thank you, gents, for having me. It's good to be here. Great. Let's get into it. Um, This is all very high tech. This guy is from Silicon Valley. He's the real (laughs) deal. Um, So, Darren, if you don't mind, just take our listeners through a little bit about your company, what you do in the space that you're in. Sure. Um, So... uh, Actually, contrary to what LinkedIn says, I am still the CEO and founder of Stimulant. We actually got two organizations. Um, so side. I, so 15 years ago, uh, I roughly 15 years ago, I founded Stimulant, which is a digital experience design firm, uh, and that was really born out of an interest at the time of exploring new ways for people to interact with digital content in physical space. So you know, getting off of getting away from keyboard and mouse, what are new ways that people are interacting? And so you have to imagine, if you flash back to 2007, this is a world before the iPhone. So what we were doing back then was playing with, you know, what were then nascent technologies, large format multi-touch interactivity, which then led into gestural interfaces, sensor-driven interfaces, and the like. So a lot of what we were doing were just, you know, explorations and experiments, but there was clearly a market demand for that as, you know, our, our, our clients who ultimately became, you know, the Fortune 500, uh, attractions, observation decks, museums, you know, people were looking for new ways to present content, you know, both to enrich their customer experience, um, but also, you know, provide, you know, operational utility. Uh, So that, that's really what Stimulant has been doing for the last 15 years is building these large scale experiences. Um, And then recently this year, uh, as a result of the pandemic, you know, we saw a strong need uh, to solve some of the issues we were seeing uh, in the space. And that was the, the, the genesis of free touch. So, so uh, can I, I'm, sorry, Tom, can oh, I just back ahead. up one second? Because I know a little more about this than our listeners, but can you, um, Darren, can you just give us an example or two of what kind of displays and events type of things that you've actually put on? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have done everything from, you know, a touchscreen exhibit that you might encounter at a museum, you know, that's teaching you about a 
particular topic to something you might encounter in an observation deck, which is, hey, you know, what am I looking at out the window? So I'm going to interact with, uh, you know, a touchscreen. I can tap on a building and see the name of that building. I can zoom in. I can get more information about things, um, you know, all the way up to corporate experience centers where you might be, uh, you know, uh, a company might be hosting VIPs or executives from another firm and they're using digital storytelling to communicate a value proposition or talk about a product, you know, all the way up to, you know, the kinds of things that we collaborated on, um, you know, which were sort of very high end prototypes for next generation customer experiences, right? So playing with you know, new ways to uh, integrate digital content into that, that customer flow as they come into a store or a retail facility, you know, and how do we, how do we really enrich that in ways that bring, you know, everything from surprise and delight to wonder to enhanced utility. Perfect. Perfect. And, and my humble, humble apologies. I'm the one that didn't notice that, uh, that, that uh, you were still in the, in the, in the present with with stimulant so kudos to kudos to you for handling double double duty as a ceo and and founder now you mentioned that the genesis behind the creation of free touch was covid um and we and we know that you know uh touchless touchless encounters now are are really important uh what are you working on presently that is on presently that um is designed to improve customer experience in your world? Well, as you can imagine, when the pandemic hit, uh, we started getting calls, concerned calls from mm -hmm. clients and colleagues and you know, discussions in the industry about, okay, so what do we do with all these expensive touchscreen, <laughs> you know, installations that yeah. we have? You know, they've gone from being the forefront, you know, and key parts of our customer experience to now their liabilities because you know people people are afraid to touch shared surfaces and you know at the time and this is i mean thinking back to april you know there were really only three options the first was well if you can get a hold of it sure you can give out ppe to all of your customers and visitors you know but you're you're competing with hospitals do you really want to buy a bunch of gloves or finger cots or styluses to give out to people because that's also wasteful. It's also expensive. They're consumables and it's not a great user experience. I mean, do people really want to put on a glove to, to use a touchscreen interface, especially if you're a high volume place like, you know, the, the Met, you know, which gets 7.3 million visitors a year, you know, that's a mm. lot of PPE. Mm. Um, so it wasn't a great solution. Um, the second is everyone is asking, well, what about gestural interfaces? We know they exist. Well, the reality is, you know, if you were going to retrofit an existing installation for gestural experience, it's a completely different user experience, right? Something that's designed for direct touch um, is very different than if you were trying to, you know, if you're trying to retrofit it to use a gestural interface, it's going to take all additional hardware, a lot of new software development. And really at the end of the day, the, the big issue with gestural interfaces is they just haven't hit the mainstream yet. They haven't had their watershed moment like the iPhone has when touch became, you know, the dominant paradigm. Now everyone knows how to use a trackpad on a laptop. They know how to interact with their phone, right? This is something that is very foreign to, uh, 
you know, to the general public. And if there's one thing we've learned in the 15 years we've been doing this is that adults don't like to fail in public. So unless they mm-hmm. get it right away, they're just going to say too complicated. You know, I don't want to look like an idiot. I'm going to walk away from this. And so you're actually going to have a worse experience. Um, and then the, the third option was, well, you could just turn them off. And when you think about, you know, what this, what these costs to implement, you know, we're talking about custom built digital experiences. These are, you know, not insignificant investments. And it's a terrible ROI to say, well, we've, now we've got all these dark screens sitting in our, you know, that we spent a lot of money on. Um, so we really, you know, we put our heads together and we realized that we were in a unique time um, where the stars had kind of aligned on a lot of the things that had previously made what we wanted to do very difficult. Um, so essentially to, to just discuss free touch in a nutshell, it's a way that you can control any public facing touchscreen from your own smartphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we realized that, you know, while people have, are now touch averse, um, they are always comfortable touching their own device. Mm-hmm. So how do we leverage that? And in the past, there had always been many barriers to, to getting that involved, but we f- realized that we were now able to create a solution that didn't require an application download. You know, so you don't have to put a new app on your phone. You don't have to sign into anything. Um, it's completely contactless. You don't have to join a local Wi-Fi network. It could be on the same network as the machine that you want to control. Um, we're able to bypass that completely. So you know, we invented a patent-pending piece of software that you can install on any touchscreen PC that connects through our cloud-based network, and it shows a QR code on the display. And when an end, end user walks up, all they do is open the camera app on their phone, which is another huge boon for us. You know, It's only been three years that mobile operating systems had integrated QR code scanning into the camera. Before that, you had to download a separate app to do that. Um, so they open their camera, they snap a QR code, and literally within seconds, it, they are now interacting with the touchscreen in front of them from their phone. Oh. Basically turns your phone into a trackpad. You get a virtual cursor on the screen, and it works just you know, as quick and responsive as if you were sitting at your laptop. So you know, within seconds, you're not even looking at your phone. You're just swiping around like you would be using your laptop. And it's that simple. So really what we're trying to do is create you know, a, a dead simple retrofit for for folks. Is that me? Someone know. someone's ringing. That's all right. I don't actually know what that sound is. Tom, you're gonna have to do some editing there, buddy. Sooner or later Sorry. hang up. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. It's entertaining. No, it's all done. Yeah. No, it's no. weird. What is That's happening? Right. Welcome, I, welcome to the new our new world. You know? <laughs> I apologize. I thought I closed all, all right. of those things. That's I have, all right. I've never heard that sound in my life. That's all right. That's um, all right. And of course, of, which explains why it would be now would be the the time yeah. when that yeah. would show. That's up, Murphy's so. law, right there. Yeah. 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 Um, so maybe I could back up and make it a better edit. Uh, what no, would be a good that's all right. To, no, I'm no, paid. there's a lot there. Like, there's entertainment value there. It's this right. sounds like magic, like to me, like because I wasn't exactly sure how it worked. I was thinking, oh, I got to get that app, you know. Um, so my question is, who are you aiming at? Because I was in Target today. Are you aiming at Target or or what? 
Um, we are basically aiming at any company that relies on touchscreens as part of their customer visitor experience. So, you know, when we initially thought about this, we were responding to the museum industry, right? There's 35,000 museums in the United States alone. And mm -hmm. that's a, you know, that, that's been a big part of stimulants customer base uh, for the last 15 years. So we understand that world, you know, and that leads into attractions, right? Paid attractions like observation mm -hmm. decks, and theme parks, and aquariums, and those kinds of things. Um, and then, you know, easily bleeds into retail experiences, um, interactive signage, digital signage experiences, point of sale, um, airports, you know, ticketing kiosks, you know, the post office, you know, self-serve kiosks anywhere um, that, that you might be required to use touch. So that's, you know, our market is pretty broad, you know, and there's millions of touch screens installed that right now are facing this, this same conundrum. So not to turn this into an infomercial, but we may have some uh, listeners who might be interested in contacting you about this um, because we have a lot of CX people listening in. How, how would they do that? Uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, uh, which is getfreetouch.com. Okay. Spelled like it sounds. Um, and so we've got, you know, we've got a lot of information up there. Um, I, I will say that, you know, as of, as of this recording, we do not have, uh, the software is not yet available. We're in a private beta right now. So we're working with a handful of select institutions and partners who are kicking the tires on this, but we do expect to have this ready uh, for release within the next, I would say, six to eight weeks. That's exciting. Wow. It's really exciting. Yeah, get ready to print the money, I'd say. <laughs> Dare to dream. <laughs> Slow and steady wins the race. Yep, yep. You know, but this is, you know, I mean, I think what, what I've found really compelling about this is, you know, I've been, I've been in services myself for 25 years, so agency work, you know, and, you know, I've, I've dabbled in product stuff, but we've never done a product before. And in a lot of ways we thought, you know, hey, this is a solution for our clients, and it very quickly made the jump, you know, as we spoke to people in the industry and realized, wow, this actually has really broad appeal. We should really think about what we need to do to productize this and make this available to the, you know, to the general public. And so, you know, there's a lot of learning, as you might imagine, retooling. You know, it's not just a pivot. It's not just, you know, a project that we've got. We're actually starting up a completely separate company. You know, we're going to be available in the U.S. to start, but there's no reason this can't go global. So, you know, we're definitely going to be focusing on that as well. But, you know, there's, there's a lot to figure out to do this right. Um, I'm a firm believer in do few things well and then add on top of that rather than trying to boil the ocean and come out with something that's a complete kludge. So, you know, our, our organization and me personally, you know, I have a background in enterprise software development and design and user experience. And so we're really, you know, I think we're ahead of the game in a lot of ways because you know, we are developing the product that Stimulant would want to purchase and use for our clients. Uh, and we have 15 years of installation experience, you know, digital installation experience to test this against. So, you know, I, I, I like to say I, I kind of lucked out, you know, I could have had my uh, quarantine inspiration moment and come out with, you know, a new product to make laundry better <laughs> in the pandemic or something like that. And I would have had no idea of where to start. So, you know, thankfully we had a lot of momentum 
and a lot of knowledge that, you know, I think that's what's helped us get this from an idea to a real product so quickly. That's yeah, uh, really exciting. Um, aside from free touch, which is incredible, uh, what are your thoughts about customer experience in your world and, and how are things evolving? Well, the big, the big issue, you know, so like I said, if you flash back again to 2007, touch was not a dominant interaction paradigm until the iPhone showed up and the iPhone radically changed that. You know, I mean, there, there were touch devices, touch screens have been around since the sixties, um, you know, and they were, but they, they weren't really in play. And, and what was magical about the iPhone, um, and, and this is still one of the most genius pieces of marketing is that the ads for the iPhone taught you how to use the interface. So just by watching that advertisement, seeing how to unlock your phone, how to swipe between apps, how to tap, how to pinch zoom, right? You, they basically built the manual so that by the time you walked into the Apple store and picked one of those things up, you were an expert user. It's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, what we saw change in our world, you know, because we had been working on, you know, custom multi-touch interfaces. We had been working with Microsoft, who at the time, the original Microsoft Surface was a massive table form factor. It kind of looked like a Miss Pac-Man machine, one of those head-to-head machines. You know, and they were doing a lot of work, you know, on figuring out what is multi-touch and multi-user user experience. And so we were heavily involved in that very early on. And what we saw with the iPhone was that over time, a year or two, you would go, say, go to CES, for example. Suddenly, you would see fingerprints on all of the television displays. Mm, People had well, basically become touch curious. Well, you know, they were like, okay, well, yeah. now that I'm used to doing this on my phone, I wonder if that's an interactive display, which was great for business, mm. but it suddenly, you know, it suddenly pushed everyone to say, well, you know, wow, we need to be coming out with touchscreen interfaces. And that really drove mm. the development of the sort of the larger format touch industry. So what's happened with the pandemic, of course, is now people have quickly gone from touch curious to touch averse. And, mm-hmm. you know, what FreeTouch is directly addressing, of course, is that large install base of existing touch screens that are out there. But, you know, we're also having to think about the future, and that's the stimulant side. You know, we've done our, our share of gestural interface development. You know, we've played in that world. We've learned a lot of best practices and things that work and don't work. You know, and so I think, you know, as, as organizations move forward, you know, there is, there is a gap now uh, that, that, that is yet to be filled. And, and I'll be honest, I'm not 100% convinced gestural, gestural interfaces are the right solution. Uh, just for, for, the, for all the reasons I discussed, because I think that, you know, until you can get them into sort of a, a mainstream watershed moment situation like you had with the iPhone, Every, you know, the issue you have is basically balkanization. You know, you're going to come out with thousands of people coming out with gestural interfaces that all use slightly different gestures and slightly different ways to interact with them. And without a common language, a common, you know, UX framework that everyone agrees, like this is the way that it's done. Um, you know, you, it's going to be a long time before you get adoption. And so I think it's going to re- require just a rethink of what is what are digital experiences in the in the built environment, and 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 how should people interact with them, and and how does this touch averse nature influence the way that we design these experiences moving forward? Mm-hmm. Now, Darren, you brought up gestural interfaces quite a few times for for the uninformed, including myself. Could you explain exactly what that means? 
Well, the easiest, the easiest uh, and, and most common uh, example that we, we, we always get and we always use is Minority Report, right? It's Tom Cruise <laughs> using his hands to swipe uh, and move content around okay. you know, without, so he's literally using gestures. And, and mm-hmm. one of, the, one of the, the fun tidbits I always like to say is that, that the Minority Report user interface actually existed before that movie came out. It, it was built by a company called Oblong Industries out of LA, John Underkoffler, you know, and it, it was a room scale experience and you had to put on gloves and there were all these tracking devices and, you know, they sold lots of these things to the DOD and, and big companies who, you know, wanted to visualize large sets of data by getting into it and using their hands. Um, but, you know, as you might imagine, that was not a cheap cheap experience mm. you know we now get we now have hardware like the ultra leap uh which is you know a small sensor that can do hand scale tracking and it's a lot more high resolution than a lot of these systems been the microsoft connect was a great you know example of gestural interface when they you know you can just dance and that's how you interact with your uh, you know with your xbox uh, so gestural interfaces, you know, again, do exist. There are way, touch-free ways to interact with screens and so on and so forth, but it's, uh, you know, it's still pretty much a nascent field, um, you know, and I think we will start to see a lot more of them coming out of, uh, you know, as a result of the pandemic, and, and maybe that will be enough to, to push for you know some standardization in the way that we all interact with them but i think it's still too early to be seen because you know there's one thing we know is that the pandemic has hurt everyone's pocketbook and you know everything that you need to do to implement a gestural interface is a significant capital expenditure right which is kind of why we went the opposite direction with free touches how do we make this an opex so it's something you just put on a credit card and in a couple of minutes they say, great, we're touchless. You know, it, if, if it doesn't solve it forever, it at least buys us time until we figure out what we're doing next. That's awesome. So, so, you know, what's so great about this conversation is there's this intersection between technology and human behavior. And, you know, for me, the uh, gestural stuff is limited to maybe um, wee bowling, you know, like it hasn't, you know, it progressed since I don't know how sure. long that's been out, but it's been out for a long time. Um, can we just ch- change a little bit um, to talk about like what people do, what actually do in your company uh, and CX and careers? Um, can you just comment on how CX is, as a function is treated in your company? And do you have specific jobs that concentrate on CX and UX or how does that work? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if you think about Stimulant as an experiential design firm, you know, we're involved in everything from, you know, the client says, I have a need I need to accomplish. And so we help them with the strategy and the concept. And, you know, then that immediately feeds into, you know, user experience design. What is the flow? How do we want people to encounter this content? What is the content they're going to, to encounter, you know, in what order? How do they interact with that content? What, you know, how does that go back and forth? You know, that all happens, you know, it, we really do broad stroke blocking and tackling before we get into any, you know, user interface development, um, you know, motion design, sound design, you know, all of these are part of that experience, but we're, there's quite a bit of um, uh, stress placed on, figuring out the UX up front 
Um, because a lot of what also happens too is, you know, everything that we're doing results in a piece of software being written, a piece of custom software, you know, developers staring at a blank mm -hmm. screen and writing the first few lines of code. So a big part of getting the UX right is not only making sure that that meshes with the customer's goals, you know, our customer, you know, and the end user goals, but that we can also vet that and say, yes, this is actually feasible because a lot of, you know, the ideas and pitches we've heard come through aren't actually technically feasible. You know, it's like, that's great, but that technology only exists in this, you know, has certain limitations and so on and so forth. And so, you know, I think we, we look at it from a very, from a unique perspective, right. That integrates, you know, obviously business and business needs, uh, what's possible in the digital world, what are the best practices for the built environment, you know, what are the edge cases that we need to handle for, say, ADA compliance or um, internationalization, you know, we need to think about the context of use, you know, is this going to be at a trade show and we maybe are lucky to get 10 to 15 seconds of someone's time, or is this a deep experience where we expect and require people to spend two minutes, right, which is an eternity in our world, um, you know, and then all of that feeds into, you know, the content design, the interface design, sound design, the technology choices we make, the form factor of the hardware that we choose. So there's obviously a lot of variables that go into that, but, you know, UX is really the glue that binds it all together and sort of keeps everything in play. It's a really delicate balance. And do you have people who are maybe more talented at sort of perceiving what the customer's journey is going to be like versus doing the coding? Or do you look for people that all have that and can code? Or what, how do you, you know, find people to work on your projects? Uh, you know, we typically have, we, you know, we will have sort of senior UX roles. And they're the ones, you know, we, a, a design lead that is, is really the role they would inhabit on a project who's managing a lot of that. But as you might imagine, you know, for an, for an agency, we don't, you know, we call ourselves expert generalists. Like we need to know enough about, a, about the general customer flow or visitor flows. It might be right. It might not, it's not always transactional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're at a museum, for example, or, you know, an educational facility, but we need to kind of know enough about what those general best practices are, but every project is so radically different. You know, if you're dealing with an auto manufacturer, you're dealing with a pharmaceutical company, um, you're dealing with a, a large tech firm, you know, all of these people have very, very, very different requirements, and they're really the subject matter experts. So really what our UX uh, team is doing is spending a lot of time on research and analysis, you know, so that we can understand our client's business inside and out. And then we have to map that to our process and our known best practices. And that's, that's really where the, the rubber meets the road. And those are very specialized people who typically don't code, right? That's, we, we don't have sort of, you know, full stack in our world. Um, I, I, I might be the exception to that rule because I've played both roles. You know, I don't actually write code anymore, but I know enough to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think, you know, what, what is important is that, you know, the folks involved in user experience understand enough to know when they're, you know, suggesting something that is, you know, maybe a bit of a stretch. And, and we encourage everyone to always ask, right? You know, there's a, there's a certain point at which you draw a line in the sand and you say, okay, let's stop shooting for the moon. We actually need to build something. Um, 
So, you know, we always want to be innovative because that's why clients hire a company like ours is they want to do something that hasn't been done before, do something that's different. They're looking for radical differentiation, differentiation, and, and that's what we're set up to do. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, very multidisciplinary role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks, Darren. This has really been fascinating. I, I learned a lot today, and I'm looking forward to seeing the real-world uh, application of what you guys are creating. So I can... Uh, yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but congratulations in advance. I mean, this looks That's really, really awesome. Exciting. Thank you. I, well, I, something. <laughs> I appreciate so the encouragement. My pleasure. I was happy, happy to be here today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob Show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.